Welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we talk about kids' movies and take them just a little bit too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And today we're talking about a movie that we saw in theaters, Lego Batman. Just saw this today. Why don't you take it away, Jan? Tell us a little bit about this movie. So Lego Batman uh, is a came out this year, 2017, in February. It's a spin-off of the Lego movie, which came out a few years ago, and which we loved. I saw it without a few times that I loved the Lego movie. So it takes place in Gotham City with Batman. He was it's all in Lego versions of them. Uh he first he fights Joker and Joker is insulted that he doesn't take him doesn't think that he is the number one villain, doesn't have a, the relationship that Joker wants, Batman doesn't see. And the theme of it all is the with uh, Batman and his family. And so throughout the movie, Batman meets Dick Grayson and accidentally adopts him. And then he, Dick Grayson becomes Robin. Uh, the Commissioner Gordon retires and Barbara Gordon becomes Commissioner and is a kick-ass crime fighter in her own right. By the end of the movie, she's, of course, is Batgirl. The plot revolves around go uh, stealing a thing to make a phantom zone from Superman, putting, trying to put Joker into the phantom zone, Joker escaping from the phantom zone, and chaos ensues. In, in the midst of this, Batman realizes that he needs his friends. It kind of goes back and forth between whether he wants to have friends or not, and in the end, he, it's basically the power of friendship. Friendship is magic, is Batman. <laughs> I'm not good at plot summaries, apparently. All right. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about so, who made this movie. Who made this movie? This is uh, directed by Chris McKay, written by Seth Graham Smith, Chris McKenna, etc. A few other people. Seth Graham Smith, the name sounded familiar when it popped up. I don't know if it sounded familiar. No, it did not sound familiar. He's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, really? Yeah, so I've seen his name and a few other things. He's, he's written a book called The Last American Vampire, so I've seen his name. In my job. Interesting. So I found that kind of interesting. And Chris McKenna, when I just checked him right now on Wikipedia, he is kind of a Joss Whedon-esque person who ins- who, who inserts jokes into movies. And so he's I can script see doctor. where he's, I don't know if it, script doctor is the right word, but he definitely is the funny. Gotcha. And so I can see where this is the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies meets like hilarious jokes, you know, references. Stars Will Arnett, of course, of Arrested Development fame, and who was Batman in the Lego movie. Michael Sarah, also also Arrested Development. Fame. I didn't actually really think of that till now. As Robin, uh, Rosario Dawson as Batgirl or as Barbara Gordon, and then a host of all sorts of other people. I was going to tell you that uh, Kate McCucci was Clayface. Yeah, I saw that. I don't remember him. Yeah. talking barely at all. But. And Ricky Lindholm was... Uh, oh, really? Was she in it, too? Was, she was Poison Ivy, and so there was just, like... Oh, I mean, there's a Kate, thousand people you can Kate mention. Micucci and Ricky Lindholm, of course, are... Uh, Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates. <laughs> Whatever it is. Anyway. Uh, also, Billy D. A big casting thing was Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. Billy D. Williams being the... Harvey De- uh, Dent in the 1989 Batman. They said he would come back to become Two Face, and they never fulfilled that. So this was kind of a reckoning. He finally got, he to, finally be got to be Two Face, and I mean, like, I don't know, the two seconds he was in the movie was it worth it? But to see his name in the credits was, was pretty kind of pretty cool. And another fun behind the scenesness of it is Ray Fiennes was in it as Alfred, 
Voldemort makes an appearance, not played by Ray yeah, Fiennes. Played by Eddie Izzard. Yeah. So, yeah, that Izzard, was... Izzard. Izzard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you see these names written down, you don't say that loud right now. Anyway, uh, also, it's Siri, that computer. Oh, really? <laughs> That's literally Siri <laughs> from the iPhone as the back computer. That's funny. So there's a lot of behind the scenes things that were funny in this that just knowing, just what, just reading the credits as they came up after the movie was making me laugh, even though the kids were like, can we just go? <laughs> yeah. I'm a credit, I will always be a credits reader. So do you want to go through, uh, we should talk about the quality of the movie. And when we talk about quality of the movies, we're thinking, uh, as a distinct from how much you enjoyed it, was it good? As in, did they do a good job making this movie? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's start with highlights. What do you think they did well in this movie? So many things. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to hide the fact that I really, really loved this movie. I think they did a great job of making it Lego again. It had that similar feel to the Lego movie where, like, you have mm-hmm. giant lobsters that he's just eating you have the everything's getting assembled in a lego way uh-huh. batman using that and the i mean the animation <laughs> i definitely noticed the uh the close i noticed all the close-ups on batman's face and the uh you know the texture of lego and there were scratches and they're dense and it looks like played with lego that i don't think there were fingerprints on it but it looked like lego much like the lego movie did mm-hmm. uh the legos were not all they didn't look computer animated. They no. looked like someone was making a stop motion movie with their Lego. Uh, yeah, and that was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, in terms of the production, the production was excellent. It got a little fast. I guess that's the thing, but they got a little fast at times, so it was hard to follow. I'm really glad we didn't go and see the 3D because I tend to, when I see a movie in 3D in the theaters and it goes fast like that, I literally cannot follow what's happening. So yeah, I'm glad that, we saw it in regular. That was the thing about the original Lego movie too, right? It, it, yeah. Occasionally the pacing is a little frenetic. Yeah. And yeah. this movie too, there are moments when, you know, everything's happening all at once and they're assembling things and what's, look over there and bang, bang, bang. Uh, very, very quick action. Yeah. Um, I felt like this movie actually did a little better than Lego movie at that. That the mm-hmm. frenetic action wasn't as overwhelming as it was in moments of the Lego movie. Yeah. It pulled it, it off it, very well. It took it a little slower. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. So in terms of the story, then I loved that they, I, I love Batgirl so much. She's my favorite character in all of comics. So to have her included, to have Batgirl there was a big deal for me. So I love that they wrote her in and gave her this like butt kick role right off the bat. She was. Yeah. Bat. Bat. Ah, sorry. <laughs> that she was... She was a uh, bat girl, you know, got top of her class at Harvard for police, yeah. which is funny. <laughs> All kinds of things. Was they, um, as a performance, as, not a performance, as a depiction of bat girl, like this is bat girl on the big screen for basically the I mean... Second time. She second time, in- Alicia Silverstone, we yeah, shall not speak of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as a depiction of Barbara Gordon Batgirl on the big screen, taking it for what it's worth as a bat, as a Lego movie movie. What did you think of this as a depiction of Barbara Gordon? I loved it. I loved, I thought it was great. She doesn't really become Batgirl to the very end. So I, as a fan of Batman and Batgirl was knew that Barbara Gordon was going to become Batgirl. So I kind of was waiting for it. And I was surprised it didn't come until the very end. 
I was surprised mm-hmm. it came at all, actually. Right, when it was because, so late in the movie. Because it was so late in the movie, and because I, I'd known from trailers that it was coming, but when it was just like, she, in her own self, was being Barbara Gordon, the police commissioner, kicking butt and taking names, and being a part of their, the Bat family, and then at the very end, it gets tacked on that, like, oh, here she is, she's donning a costume, she's being Batgirl. I think, let's come yeah. back to writing a little bit more. What did you think of the performances? We'll come back to writing a little more in a okay. second. But what did you think of the performances? I mean, Will Arnett is amazing. He's such a good he's Batman. Such a good Batman. He's got the gravelly voice thing, but without being annoyingly gravelly voiced. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that sometimes Christian Bale made you like feel like his throat hurts. Will Arnett can pull that's, that off. That's but like what his voice actually off, sounds like. And he can pull it off comedically, which is what this movie is. It's comedic Batman. Yeah. Which is a Batman that I love. I love comedic Batman. I want that. I like it when it's funny and not super insanely dark the way he has been for the past 10 years of movies. And the other performances, I, I agree, Will, Will Arnett was a good Batman. I, I said afterwards, I don't think he would have, you know, he would be right to, even as the voice of a straight, serious Batman, but as a comedic Batman, he pulls it off really well. His voice is great for that uh, uh, parody of dark yeah. and gritty uh he managed to give some actual emotional range at the same time. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, entertaining to listen to and all, all good things to say. How about Michael Sarah? What did you think of him? He was good. He was, uh, it was, he was funny the way he had, like, he talked really fast. It was really like, and just was the typical Michael Sarah kind of bumbling, bumbling hilarity. Though he wasn't, yeah, he, he was, uh, he wasn't a sad sack as Michael Sarah no, often is. He, definitely he was. Wasn't. You know, extremely cockeyed optimist character, yeah. and he actually pulled that off very, very well. Yeah. I thought, I thought he did a great job. Rosaria Dawson, oh, fantastic! She did great as uh, as Batgirl and as Barbara Gordon. I was, yeah, I was really happy when I saw her name in the credits beforehand. That was gonna be her. Just I liked her in her past roles, and I liked her in this. Sure, I liked uh, Refines didn't stand out particularly well as Alfred, but Alfred was a good character. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Refines. Maybe did the thing that uh, uh, can be praised for an actor. That the disappeared jo- Joker into the was Jack. It was Zach Galifianakis. How do you pronounce his last name? Galifianakis. Galifianakis. And I thought at first that it might have because uh, Mark Hamill did such a famous Joker performance in Batman the Animated Series. I had a moment right at the beginning where I'm like, "Is this him again?" But no. Then it was a little more humorous, and I didn't realize till it was. Mm-hmm. But he, did, I think he did a great job. Yeah, I Joker. I thought he did. Uh, Fine job. I didn't think he stood out as particularly fantastic, yeah. but I thought he did, yeah. you know, perfectly fine. Yeah. I thought Will Arnett was certain was the standout of Absolutely. the He's cast, and yeah. uh, he pulls it off. He really deliver all those lines just like in the perfect way. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of writing, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of aspects to writing. If we want to talk about how good a job they did, um, how it was meant to be. Uh, funny? How funny was it? It was very funny. Although funny, especially to, as an adult who knows Batman and got all the references, there's so many hundreds of Batman references to like the old TV show, all the old movies, all the like comics and, and just, and I got a lot of them. Like the, yeah. like the shark repellent from the 66 Batman and the, 
And there were trains. And prints and the parade of the 89 Batman, things, just things like that. Like, uh, were not lost on me. I got them all and I laughed really hard. But, but the kids were also laughing at totally different things because they don't get those references. But they still think it's funny. And when the, yeah. all the scenes where, you know, it talks about, oh, Batman's been around for a long time and it flashes all the way back to yeah. every uh, adaptation, every incarnation, all the way back to the, you know, black and white TV serial Batman. Yeah. Um, and the kids don't know what that's a reference to, but they still think it's funny that yeah. Batman's been around so long that he was black and white once. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, I agree that. And the slapstick humor looks funny too. Like, they, like Robin taking off his pants and Batman taking <laughs> off his pants at one point too, being like, he wears underwear and the kids were like, cracking up at that and I was cracking up at that. It yeah. was like, it was slapstick humor, but it was still done really well. We, we talked recently, yeah, I don't know how, we're going to air these things. But the last podcast we recorded, we talked about uh, movies that had songs in it that we weren't very impressed with. There were songs in this movie. They were fantastic. I like them a lot. I agree. The soundtrack was great. I mean, it was, there, was, there was two original songs that were played over the credits at the end. And I think all the things in the movie. Oh, no, the one at the very beginning that, like... Yeah, Batman had a song about how cool he is. Yeah. And yeah, all the song choices were hilarious and good. And yeah, I like that. Songs were entertaining, and they like there's a you know part where they Batman's trying to cheer Robin up when he's sad, and so they beatbox in prison, yeah. and like that also was <laughs> genuinely entertaining. That could yeah. easily be a joke that would get yeah. tired. Definitely something about this movie. Nothing got tired. No. Like they pushed they forward. They didn't they, beat anything to the ground at all. Like they would have a few jokes that they repeat, but they sometimes they, maybe the opposite, yeah. but never the a joke beaten into the ground or an idea beaten into ground or anything. Okay, but what about the actual plot? Like what actually happens okay. in this movie? So it wasn't a huge like it wasn't that it was just straightforward boom 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 plots. Like what actually happened? What I was gonna say actually is in terms of plot and in terms of characters, like we talked about the job that they each did as uh performances, but you said Ray Fines didn't stand out as Batman. I kinda think as, as, as Alfred. Alfred. I kinda think no one really stood out but Will Arnett, partly because Batman was the only character in this movie. Yes. Uh so Barbara Gordon existed on screen. You were quite pleased with her. And I also like, it was fun to see Bar- Barbara Gordon. Rosaria Dawson did a good job. It was nice to see her and she was interesting, but she wasn't a character. Mm. Right. Yeah. The, all the other characters existed as supports for as someone for Batman to react to. Batman has some internal motivation and, you know, character development. He wants something out of life. He, he, wants a family but he's afraid of family and he's worried about you know uh being revealing himself being emotionally vulnerable and he learns something and grows throughout the no one else really in the movie i think i mean robin wants to create some wants a family too and so does alfred alfred you know has the father figure and dick Grayson keeps calling him grandfather right. but it's true that did barbara did want anything barbara, barbara didn't want a family she like has her dad. They don't even mention him after yeah. the first, after he passes on the commissioner. I didn't, oh, that bugs me now. Yeah. But like, she doesn't want a family with Batman. She just she, wants to fight crime. She's someone that Batman wants, not someone, not yeah. someone who has desires of her own. That's interesting. 
I actually noticed that until now, but that's true. Um, isn't actually how a lot of did the plot make sense in terms of like uh, Joker wants Batman to think of him as the number one, his number one villain. His uh, he thinks that the reason he keeps failing is because his backup villains aren't any good. So he goes to the Phantom Zone, gets himself deliberately put in the Phantom Zone so that he can break out and bring all the villains with him. It's frankly a plot that I think deliberately is a lot like Joker's plot in uh, The Dark Knight Returns, where he gets himself deliberately thrown into prison so that he can break out of prison, like on a much uh, more childish level but joker's got the same kind of you know schemes and plans within plans and he's also the massive obsession with batman yeah uh, specifically he it's very textual in this movie that joker you know what joker wants out of life is for batman to uh have his attention yeah but i felt like the plot was fairly uh you know direct and clear i thought they did a good job it could easily have gotten muddy mm-hmm. with what's you know what's joker's plan where is he you can easily easily have made that too complicated to follow i don't think they did no, i think they true. managed to you know joker has a plan we know what joker's plan is but batman doesn't yeah. but we don't think batman's stupid for not knowing it even though we have figured it out the only part i felt like went a little off the rails is when batman himself got sent to the phantom zone and then had to get out again right I felt like that was not entirely necessary to the plot. Yeah, fair enough. Except to have him have a, like, I guess he has this kind of an epiphany that he's not treating people well. Yeah, but you're right. That wasn't really necessary. That was really necessary. Um, any lowlights? No. I mean, I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, there are things that were, I've just said, like, the realizing that Batgirl didn't actually have, oh, and that she's like the Smurfette, that she's the one girl. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, that. we'll get talk that about that a little bit more. In terms of the it doing what it attempted to do, what it was trying to do, I felt yeah. like they did a, yeah. it was quite well made and mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. Um, so how about, having talked about how good you think it is, how much did you enjoy it? So much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I like... Yeah, I'm so glad we got saw it in theaters. It was fun to see it on the big screen. It was fun to take our kids. Our kids both enjoyed it. I, I like was thrilled to to see Batgirl. I was thrilled to see Batman and then Robin to see a Batman movie that wasn't so dark and broody like the last several ones have been. To have kind of a fun DC universe. I love the DC universe and I love it when it's light. I love the t- TV shows and mm-hmm. but all the movies. Suicide Squad and Batman vs Superman have just been so dark and awful. they made fun of Suicide Squad exactly, in this movie. Exactly, and I kind of felt like it deserved it because I didn't, I don't know, it's not my thing at all. I like the lightness of superheroes, and so this felt so good to me to watch a light superhero movie, and it wasn't just for kids because of that. I felt like it had lots of references for adults, and as an adult, I found it mm-hmm. great. Any favorite moment? Favorite moment or favorite aspect of it? I don't if you know, want to talk, like it not, has so many. Talking not so much about the quality of it, but what appealed to you personally. I mean, I think for me, one of my favorite parts in a personal way were just all the callbacks to the history yeah, of Batman. Exactly. That was always fun, and I enjoyed it every yeah. time. Yeah, I think, and also uh, we didn't have any mentioned like they go to the Phantom Zone and bring back a bunch of villains that are not Batman villains. They bring back Voldemort and Sauron, Sauron, and the. Daleks from Doctor Who. And the Wicked Witch of the West and yeah. the Flying Monkeys and yeah. King Kong and yeah. Yeah, and watching our 
older daughter who's been watching Doctor Who see the Daleks and get like so excited. The Daleks yeah, are that was pretty movie. fun that too. Be fun. Any uh, lowlights in terms not of the quality but of your personal taste? Like anything that you think they did well but you just didn't really didn't really enjoy it as much? It's maybe a little long. Mm-hmm. I felt like it could have been a little shorter as a movie, especially for a kids' movie. I don't think kids movies should be longer than about 80 minutes. I don't actually know how long it was, but it felt longer than that. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. The two original songs at the end were really good, and I don't know why they weren't in the actual movie. Right. It felt like yeah. there was the really adorable song, I can't remember what it's called now, but that Robin is singing, and it's so sweet. <laughs> Not until the very, very end, it's like the second end credit song. Everyone's already gone, and our, yeah. our kids like, why are we still here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I thought, like, and I went home and listened to the soundtrack entirely, and the kids loved that song. Right. And I wish that it had been in the actual movie. I didn't like the Joker had pointed teeth. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. just like a For character something. design thing. I don't think that there's, that's a, you know, there's not an objective reason why that's bad that I can think of, but. I didn't like it. I thought it was... The shark in the Phantom Zone. I just looked it up and it said that it was the shark from Jaws. And I was like, there is a DC villain called King Shark. King Shark is a shark. Yeah. And I was annoyed there was a shark in it that wasn't King but Shark. But all the villains <laughs> in the Phantom what? Zone, none of them are Batman villains. Yes. None of them are DC villains. None of them are DC not villains. only were they not DC villains, none of them were DC villains. Even the only DC villain who was explicitly named as being in the Phantom Zone earlier in the movie was put there by Superman Razad, who then didn't show up. You're right. So none of the villains at the end were DC villains. All the DC villains were the ones who ended up and ended the movie fighting on Batman's side, uh, even though as a jab against Suicide Squad, they said, you know, collecting a bunch of bad guys to fight bad guys, that's stupid. Yeah. But then they (laughs) did it anyway. Oh, the other, like, highlight that I loved was when he went to the uh, Fortress of Solitude to visit <laughs> Superman, who's supposed to be alone, and he's having a giant party with all the just, yeah, they go Justice in. League, except for Batman. Batman and says to Robin, yeah. like, Superman, like all, yeah. like all superheroes, he spends most of his time alone. Yeah. And then he shows up and all the Justice League are having a party without Batman. Yeah. And, Batman. and I mean, like... Feels sad. Well, I mean, and... As a lover of those kind of comics, to have like all these, all the Justice League there, including like Crypto and and of course Wonder Woman and Flash and Martian Manhunter, all just on the big screen there. Even yeah, though it's it in fun. Lego, it was really cool to see them on the big screen. <sighs> and I wish that they would do good things with them in real life, but I don't think they ever will. <laughs> no, I would really love to see a Superman story with this kind of light touch, but yeah. it will. Possibly never happen, mm. as as you, Jan, know, but you, our <laughs> listeners, might not know. I am uh, am and long have been a fan of Superman, and I may be very sad to see Superman taken much too seriously. Mm. You know, here on Way Too Seriously, we hate it when we, things, <laughs> when we take things too seriously. We're very light, that, that kind of thing. Which brings us to the part that really earns the name of this podcast. 
the way too seriously. The way too seriously part. So the number one thing I want to point out about this movie, like you were talking afterwards about really enjoying it, and I, in terms of enjoyment, enjoyed it a lot, but there are problems with it. Yeah. And the major one is that Barbara Gordon is, uh, as you said, the Smurfette. She's the mm-hmm. only female character, like, there, she's not the only female actor. Yeah. But the she's, mayor is female. That is supposed to be interesting, but they, they don't. She doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah. The mayor existed and turned out to have been Batman in disguise. Yeah. And then the mayor existed again later. Yeah. And didn't like have any lines in this movie. Uh, not only is Barbara Gordon the only female character, she's also immediately objectified by Batman. Yeah, that weirded me out because that's not like, canon at all it's not canon it's not necessary they didn't do anything with it in the story it was just you know because of course uh every female character who exists on screen has to be existing for the purpose of uh the gaze of the male character and the male audience even if she's made out of plastic and bricks like she has to be like (gasps) batman looks at her like oh otherwise how would you know that she exists to be an object yeah that's (laughs) So, that is so true. And it happened several times. Yeah. It came, like, that was one of the few uh, kind of callback jokes that mm. every time Batman saw Barbara Gordon again, he would, like, in exactly the same way that in the first Lego movie, Emmett kind of spaced out and stared at uh, Wildstyle slash Lucy when she yeah. showed up. Same thing happened in this movie with Barbara Gordon. It's unnecessary, and it actively harms both the... Uh, plot and character development of the movie that also like it harms the social perspective of the movie like you're you're not neutral you're doing harm yeah. to the world by this perspective absolutely and then add to that that she was a non-character who had no particular motivation she that is true she she didn't have motivation she, but she didn't have motivation to be in his family no yeah, she that's had motivation true. to fight crime, and she had like a good backstory in terms of that, and she had agency. But in terms of her relationship to Batman, why was she wanting to be with him? Why was she wanting to be his friend? Other than that, he needed more people in his life. He needed someone to be his friend. Yeah, and if you think about how what a good job they did giving Dick Grayson a reason, like he needs a father, and he his relationship to. Bruce Wayne and Batman is, you know, as Bruce Wayne's is to Alfred, and Alfred has all this reason to want to be involved and want to be in Bruce Wayne's life, and mm-hmm. uh, Barbara doesn't get any of that because no. she doesn't have to have a reason to be there. The reason that she's there is she's the chick who needs to exist yeah. so that there can be a chick. Yeah, that's what feels as. Um, any other? I have another one. Another way too seriously. You saw more than I did because I was, yeah, I was too... I'd like to watch this movie again to see all those things, but what else did you see? So the other thing I thought that is not so much a complaint, but is a a question is, um, this is not at all the first movie or the first time that this has been a thing about Batman. This Joker is in love with Batman. So is there a homoerotic subtext in this movie? Hmm. This Joker is definitely yeah, in love with Batman. There was that that sense of like, yeah, he, they had to say they hate each other in the way yeah, that they actually like, love each other. You have never said, I hate you, Joker. I hate you. I hate you too. Oh. Yeah. And that was funny, but it was also like, 
coming just a tiny hair away from making textual what is always subtextual in Joker and Batman's relationship that Joker's in love with Batman, uh, whether that's romantic love or not, Joker is obsessed with and loves Batman in some kind of way. Um, And this isn't necessarily a criticism of Batman, it's just a question about uh, understanding this movie. Um, Is that a thing that you think they were doing deliberately? Like, is that... Oh, absolutely. They're having, like, putting it in the context of, like, a loving, the opposite of of what what an actual romantic relationship would be is absolutely on purpose. And then... But is it being, like, homosexual is something to make fun of? Yeah, is is there a problem the fact that uh, Joker, who is a villain, is in love with Batman and can only articulate that by trying to destroy him, and at the same time, the movie fairly uncritically and unthoughtfully reinforces the heteronormativity that the only way that you interact with the female person you know is by being in love with them, Mm -hmm. by desiring them to possess them. And so Barbara Gordon exists in the movie specifically so that uh, Bruce Wayne isn't gay. Hmm. It's important that Bruce Wayne looks at Barbara Gordon and is like, oh, I want her so much. Because otherwise, otherwise Batman and Joker yeah. love each other and maybe there's... But it's actually the love story of Batman and Joker. And they really don't want you to be thinking about that. Yeah. So they add Barbara Gordon and add that romantic subtext to Barbara Gordon specifically to inoculate themselves against the danger of uh, you anyone taking the uh, homoerotic subtext of Batman and Joker actually seriously. They want to yeah. make sure you can't do that. Yeah, that is interesting. Joker does have Harley with him. Yeah. So that is also a secondary thing. Harley couldn't. She barely, barely yeah, a character. Barely, and this one she's of, there. This, yeah, she was more of a character than a lot of the villains. This yeah. is another aspect of uh, the Lego movies in general, right? The frenetic pacing and... I don't really want, I don't really think it's something to complain too much about in terms of the quality of the movie. But, you know, there's a lot of people who show up, do basically nothing, and then go away again. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I quite enjoy in this movie and in the Lego movie how populated the worlds are. There's so many characters that show up and then disappear. Yeah. And like, so I don't know. disappear, just like they're in the background. They're, they're in the background for the whole movie. I don't really want to complain about that. But, I don't think you can really count Harley Quinn as a character. And she exists possibly to inoculate Joker against... Yeah, that's, what I was gonna, yeah. That's, that's the point I was trying to make, was right. that she's there for for that reason, to be like, well, Joker has a lady, so he's not actually... It's not actually gay, except that it totally is. Right. They, yeah, they, are they implying something wrong with that? I mean, if... if you couldn't have Joker and Batman get together in that way anyway, because it would be a horrible, horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm it not would be sure. as bad as Harley and Joker are in the comics. Like, yeah. or in the I'm not saying like things, that they should. I don't, I think I could do without any romantic relationship yes. in my Lego movie, but that's I what, also think like, if you want to make, uh, and they, you know, they have Batman watching romantic comedies and fairly explicitly, make that be like he desires relationships in any kind of way. He yes. wants family, he wants love, he wants a villain, like any kind of relationship. Yes. And they fairly explicitly like he watches romantic movies not because he wants uh romance. Romance, but wants, because he yeah. wants a relationship yeah. of any kind. And they do actually re- uh make that point deliberately. Yeah. Still I think there's something going on there mm. underneath the surface. Yeah. 
Um, in terms of race, this movie is incredibly white. Even Rosaria Dawson is playing yeah. a white character, yellow, yeah. sort of. No, no, she wasn't yellow. They she weren't. They weren't the yellow Lego. They were literally they white. Were white. I don't think there was a single person of color in this movie. Yeah, I cannot think of a single one. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem that's... that exists in the DC universe, and yes. Lego's kind of inheriting. But it's also a problem that and yeah. that Lego inherited uncritically. Yeah, and like, yeah. That was a thing that happened in this movie, or that didn't happen in this movie. Anything else in terms of all of this? On so so to wrap it all up, then on the scale from Strange Magic to Totoro, (laughs) where do you place uh, Lego Batman? Close to Totoro, high up there, but not quite. I wouldn't put I put it on the high end. Mm -hmm. Like if Totoro was a ten, then putting it at an eight. No, no numbers. No numbers? I'm not allowed to use numbers. I like numbers. It's it's not true. I don't like numbers at all. But like, I would, it's it's high up there. It was a fun movie. Maybe if I saw it again, I would see more problems with it and and put it down lower. But on my first viewing, on seeing it in theater, on like having a great time with movies, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was not perfect by any stretch, but it's up there for, and definitely rewatchable. I would definitely watch this multiple yeah. times again. Agreed. And, and I would yeah. I would watch the original Lego movie again. I'd watch this one before I'd watch the original Lego movie again, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Despite the fact that it didn't have the the thing that made the best thing about the Lego movie, which is all the uh metatextual human world playing with their Lego stuff. Oh, I never liked that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I like this one better. The, the, there was the metatextual in this of like underneath Gotham, it's been built over nothing, and so there's like they kind of almost showed like it's a big Lego bin. Right. We, the, the, this cracks apart. We're just falling back into the Lego bin. <laughs> yeah. So there was a little bit of that. And they build. They're aware that they're blocks, and they build things out of blocks. Yeah. And they're also with, like yeah, a lot of. Uh, critique of the overt serious way that Batman has been depicted in film yeah. in terms of the meta narrative. See, that's where I would, I would watch this again over a Lego movie is all the references were ones that I get because yeah. of how much I love the DC universe. Uh, there were references in the Lego movie that were good, but I, I don't think I got all of them. Whereas in this one, hundred, I, I guess not hundred percent, but like, I felt like I got all of them. Recognized egghead. Recognized egghead. Recognized, you know, Calendar Man? The Wonder Twins in the, <laughs> in the Justice League part and Crypto and all sorts of different tiny references that, yeah, that would make me want to watch it again and again just to, like, make sure I got all of them. All right. Well, if that's all we have to talk about... Um, you can find us on Twitter at uh, WTSCast. You can email us at way too seriously cast at gmail. Dot com. You can also support us more directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And if you li- like this, leave a rating or review on iTunes so other people can find it too. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. I'm Batman. I'm not really Batman.